Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Caught offside with Andrew Gunling and JJ Devaney. Oh, yes, caught offside from just outside of New York City from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling, JJ Devaney. What's up, brother? How are you feeling? Uh, not not great. Not amazing. You uh, look terrible. Right. That's nice. You look gaunt, very pale. Yeah. I mean, you're not exactly, I don't know, a Hawaiian tropic advert most of the time, but uh yeah you don't you look you don't look great i feel for you i'm sorry man well i have covid yeah so i don't know if this was your way of setting me up to announce that Um, well i think the people need to know (laughs) yeah i will say this um it's fine like it's i don't think it's anything out of the ordinary but uh this is the second time i've had it this Mm. one much worse wow i don't know if that has anything i don't know if that has anything to do with the strain or whatever. I don't know. I'm just saying for me personally, this time around, way worse. Okay. Way worse. Yeah, I've way had it more, twice. Way more prolonged than like the last time oh. I had it, it was one day where I just felt terrible. This is now three days of the, feeling the same way. The first one, the first time I had it, 10 days of sheer, sheer misery, like genuinely like muscle cramps and fatigue. Um, And then the second time I had it, which was last year when I went home to Ireland, one day of just feeling terrible, runny nose, fatigue, pain, aches, and then gone. Yeah. So <clears throat> yeah, it's weird. I don't know why why it affects you differently one time versus another. I guess yeah, I don't, don't know. know. It depends on like how much of the dose you get. I don't know. I have no idea. But I can tell you it's not fun. Um but you know, this is part of like the reality we live in now, right? Like this is a new thing that people are gonna get. Yeah, sure. Um, so, you know, whatever. Wait, you'll be fine. Yeah. Um, um, I should say I, if people have, cause everyone in my house has been either at school or at work. So I'm just home during the day and I can't get out of bed. This, this podcast right now is like the first time I've been out of bed in three days. Um, so I've, I finished the bear, which was tremendous. God, what a show I've kind of re gotten back into Yellowstone. I sort of fell off in the middle of like early season four. I I'd gotten back into it and finished that out. So if people have recommendations, um, I'm all ears. Because I can't do a whole lot else right now aside from just binge watch shows or movies. Movies too. I don't want movies to get lost. People just suggest shows all the time. But don't you find, JJ, sometimes like it's just it's too daunting to take on a show. It's like, okay, I'm going to start something now that maybe I'll finish three years from now. Like sometimes don't you want to just know, okay, in two hours I'll have a resolution here. A beginning, yeah. a middle, and an end. I don't always, not everything I watch, I, I don't always want everything to be a few years down the line. I'll know how this plays out. Sometimes you just want to know. So give me, I'll, I'll take all the movie recommendations as well. Yeah. Um, I, I, fe- I feel that way too. I mean, my girlfriend is so patient with me. She's like, let's start this, let's start that. And I'm like, oh. it takes me forever to wind up to stuff. Yeah. I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we won't start it tonight because it's just, 
sometimes I just want um, something easy. Yeah. Or I want something I can watch and get through. But you're right. But I am committed severely and deeply committed to Reese Witherspoon, Jennifer Aniston, and everyone, Steve Carell, and everyone at the morning show right now. Okay. All right. That's not even the best show I've watched, though. Like, I see little things in it all the time, and I'm like, ugh, that's not that good. Uh-huh. Um, it's not Breaking Bad. It's not The Sopranos. It's not even The Wire, but I, I am enjoying it. What does that mean, not even The Wire? As if The Wire is like... The Wire is... Because there's some seasons of The Wire way better than others. Like, the variance is, is higher, I feel. Okay. Um, but The Wire is great. Absolutely great. Yeah. We own this... I mean, I'm the man who said we own this city, which was, a, like I suppose, a mini-series. Uh, was better than The Wire. I might watch We Own the City again. You see, I, that's another thing. I'm a repeater. I repeat. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. Yeah, it's it's bad though because it stunts you from growth and watching other things. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, I I um, like what I like at this point in my life. I should know that. Sure, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, nope. this will be a fun podcast. Uh, we got a bunch of things to talk about. There's a a huge caught offside cup coming up. Uh, twelve thirty time slot on Saturday. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we're going to share our thoughts on in the build up to that. Something is happening in Napoli right now that is so dumb. I, I almost can't even believe it. And I, I need help understanding how I feel this... dumb talking about it. Let's just say it, this is a, I mean, things aren't good behind the scenes at Napoli, clearly with their star players. Um, Victor Oshiman is who we're talking about. Well, we'll get to it. Why, why are you doing this in the tease? You're going to give your whole thought now. Yeah, that's a good point. I'll I'll, I'll save. God. I mean, my, my I think everybody's going to be guessing what I think of this. Okay, uh, very easily. Yeah, so we'll do that. I have um something on Everton that I want to discuss before we get out of this podcast. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. So there's a few things. Also, a prominent American uh, expected to make his Premier League re debut this weekend. So I'll mention that as well. Um, Who's that? Well, this is see. I'm teasing things. You're trying to pay everything off in the first three minutes of the podcast. Yeah. So I just deliver all of our takes and and information. I'm now. sorry. I'm I'm so irritable. I, I I'm actually going to do something. I'm going to apologize to my girlfriend. I've just been my my new laptop has has crapped out, and I've just been to Best Buy, and it's raining. It's just it's it's just a crappy evening, and I'm just not feeling anything and. I went to Best Buy and was ignored for an hour. Just ignored. I don't care about me. And now and now I'm just and now I'm taking it out on you. I'm sorry. The only time that I I'm not proud of this. The only time that I ever got truly heated with someone in the service industry wow. was at uh, Best Buy in Syracuse, New York. I lost my I lost sight of myself. It was not a pretty moment. I lost sight of myself. I so no, I, I understand how frustrating those situations can be because I Christ been... Almighty just to this uh, day I'm not pr- I wish I could apologize to the guy, uh, but sometimes these things happen and we learn and we grow. But JJ, I did before f- oh, oh sorry, go on, go on. No, we got to get off this. <laughs> but before we get to any of that, <laughs> let's let's go back to an old friend and and do this. Go go go. That's right. That's right. And as promised, like we mentioned the other day on our previous podcast this week, which you should all go back and listen to, I highly encourage it. It was a really fun one. Um, But like we mentioned the other day, we're going in the club and we're doing so Chelsea style. 
That's right, because this is what happens when you've spent the amount of money they've spent and won nine of your last 38 matches. If you want it in the club, this is the formula to follow. Um, That's where they are. We've got a special guest from the London is Blue podcast coming on in just a few moments. But before that, JJ, I I guess we'll give a couple of our thoughts. Now, some of the blow of this is softened a little bit by the fact that they they did just have a nice Carabao Cup win over Brighton. Uh, And a guy who, I mean, if we were ranking Premier League players who needed a goal, Nicholas Jackson probably would have been near the top of that list, given how poor he's been and the fact that he's suspended from yellow card accumulation just six games into a season. Like, how how can that even possibly happen? Like, this guy needed something good to happen. He scores the goal that eventually goes on and gives Chelsea the win. However, I don't know. I mean, maybe it softens the blow a little bit in the moment, but in the grand scheme of things, I think Chelsea fans are still finding themselves in a moment of extreme low morale. Yeah, definitely. The Boo Boys were out in force at Stamford Bridge. Um, And the pressure's on Maurizio Pochettino now to kind of bring this collection of players together. Uh, Maybe to stop talking about lemons and and try and get some wins in the Premier League. Like, this will mean nothing if it's not followed by, by some really good Premier League performances and and there was a while where XG was the thing they were hanging on to. Well, you know, they're they're underperforming somewhat and et cetera, et cetera. Well, I mean, that all goes out the window at a certain point, And we are at that point right now. And it's just been such a lavish amount of spending uh, since Todd Bowley's come in that it's, it, you know... <laughs> how is this how is this happen and and the length of the contracts and the club the club seems just a, a bit of a mess right now and I, i'm just curious as to what a chelsea fan's perspective of it is and and obviously where they see it going cuz i don't know where it's going i can see i can see almost all possibilities for this yeah yeah i would agree with that well i'll tell you what you, you ask and you shall receive let's get now that perspective uh, that you're talking about from a Chelsea fan. And let's talk to Dan Dormer from the London is Blue podcast who can share all of his thoughts and takes on on just what on what in the world is happening in West London. Dan, thanks so much for joining the show. How are you? You know, I'm probably better than Chelsea's performance in the Premier League this season. Uh, but, you know, what, what else isn't? So, yeah, well, actually, kind of along those lines, I, I want to start off on the right foot. I want to start off positive. Um, with regards to this, I mean, JJ and I talked about it leading into you joining here, some of the issues that they've had and, and the nine wins over the last 38 games. It's it's crazy. Um, having said all that, give me the things, if you can find them, that you do feel good about right now with this team, whether it's personnel or whatever. So I think actually a fair bit of the recruitment is right. Like Moises Caicedo, primarily proven is the right player, whether or not the price was accurate like that. That's good. Right. So some of the recruitment is good, whether or not they have acclimatized appropriately or have gelled within this system, I think is still a bit of a question. The fitness has definitely been a challenge for some of them, which is not super ideal. So I think that's, that's unfortunate. I think maybe just like looking back at the Brighton match midweek, I know it's not a premier league game. It's a cup game. And so some of the rotation with Brighton, you can maybe knock them a little bit on, but like that was a premier league opposition that Chelsea was able to get the business done against and to fight through a little bit of adversity. So I think some of the 
the spirit, the energy, particularly the celebration. I mean, you look at like Axel DeSauci, like hyping up Nico Jackson after the goal goes through, like the fact that you're seeing some of the formation there, Cole Palmer looks to be pretty positive, particularly when played forward behind the striker position. So I think when you look at the fact that Chelsea are one of two clubs alongside Man City that have won the XG battle. And look, I know the XG battle doesn't turn into a points earned at the end of a match. The fact that they've done that in every single Premier League game points to me that like the underlying ability is there. The end result is just not there fully. And so like, I think we're talking about it. Like we're, we're, the promise is there but getting people to bridge from the promise to the reality is a bit of a challenge right now. Cause it feels like you're, you're walking across a bridge, but you can't see the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and look, we'll get, we'll get to the bad stuff, but before we get to that, I mean, kind of along the lines of what you're saying, Chelsea this season, second most touches in the opposition box, fifth in total shots. They've missed more big chances than any other side in the league. Like when you see some of these numbers, is there a part of you that's like, okay, if we can just kind of fight through these bad times, they're, there is a there is a window of hope up ahead. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think the if you I don't know, I can't be that negative in life to not assume that like the results are, you know, not they are exactly what we saw in preseason when you had Christopher Nkunku available with Nico Jackson, when you had a healthy Reese James as a part of the lineup. Like you're seeing that like even though we're suffering through injuries, even though we had an incomplete squad up until basically the end of the transfer window when we were getting some of these deals finalized. Like there was enough there in the pre-work to say you could go out and do this in the Premier League this season and get back to where Chelsea wanted to be. I think the challenge is we're in the deficit spot now and having to work back from it. But I don't know. I still feel good about where we can head. I think it's just, it's having to go through a tough moment to get there that Chelsea supporters in general are not accustomed to because it has been the moment something has gone wrong, let's go make a change. And then the change predicates another round of success, even though it might be a success of sprint versus not a marathon level of success. I'm, I'm conscious that we're, we're talking about Chelsea here in terms of, you know, just a regular team. Oh, we're, we're struggling. We're in this moment now, but 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 change is coming. Um, Todd Bowley spent a billion dollars in a year. Um, how does that sit with Chelsea fans? Because um, this is I. <laughs> this feels like the most monstrous waste of money we've seen in in football. Um, like like how how are Chelsea fans like kind of processing? moving from a Russian oligarch to a guy who spent a billion dollars in a year. I mean, how many clubs have some level of American investment at this point? Like how many clubs are spending? Like, look, is it unsustainable to continue to spend this way? Yes, without question. However, if you look at the fact that Chelsea were trying to figure out a way to replace the pairing of like N'Golo Kante and Nemanja Matic for like, years and continue to not do it. I feel like we are paying for some poor decisions and recruitment over several successive seasons where we tried to nickel and dime ourselves to a solution that didn't actually come to fruition. We're like, Oh, let's go for a 30 million pound player in the moment that we think might be able to rise to the level that we need to replace or slot in, in this area, because we then sold that individual who was actually performing in that role because we didn't want to hit over a certain age limit. I do think there's 
some like some concern, but I, I do think there's also like, hey, look, you're also trying something different, right? We're trying something that hasn't been done before, which is super long contracts, young talent, mm. maybe not fully proven in their respective areas or in their respective leagues or at the Premier League level and seeing if something different works because the same thing, doing the same thing again and again and again, like we're not Manchester City. You can't, you can't go try to replicate it that way. And so like, I think it is more of a cautious um, concern <laughs> that people have. When you said cautious there, I was like, what's coming after that? Because the last year has not been cautious in the least. It's been, I've not, I've, it's staggering what's happened. And like, I'm, I, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, because Chelsea fans, I'm, I'm more curious what, what they think of it because these are the guys that held a banner at this, like for, for Todd Bowley. Was it the opening, the opening game of his, of the, of the Premier League season? Last season, was it they had a banner at, at, at Stamford Bridge for Bowley? And I'm just thinking, like, there was a genuine sense that, well, this guy's coming in. <clears throat> he's going to bring, like, a baseball acumen. There's going to, <laughs> there's going to be, like, something more thoughtful. Um, and I'm only using the Liverpool example because that's kind of been the exemplar over the last few years, like, a buying buying relatively cheap, like, getting players in for, for, for good money and, and, and turning it into something. And and it's been kind of the opposite. Uh, I mean, inflation's hit everybody. So I don't think necessarily <laughs> that uh, uh, football clubs are necessarily immune to that idea that like what we would assume in general is like a 30 million pound player is maybe like a 40 million pound player now or a 50 million pound player is like a 60 million pound player now. So like, I think the type of talent, maybe the, the way that we would view it is like, hey, Cole Palmer coming in as an example, who had, I think, a really bright game against Brighton in the mm. League Cup, looked great in that start, looked ready to be able to contribute in some capacity to what Pochettino is looking to execute against. Like, in a normal market, is he going for 40 million pounds? Probably not. Like, I, I don't know. That feels like a lot to me. But you're buying on this idea of potential. I think maybe that's the concern, is that, like, you, you still haven't gotten a number nine, even though Nico Jackson did well at real real at the end of last season, looked good in preseason, hasn't necessarily put it all together in the Premier League yet, but we know adaptation takes time. That probably is the one point where we'd say like, look, you, you fixed the midfield, you got like a concrete group there now that you can build off of, but you still don't have somebody who can not, you know, get the 10, 15, 20 goals that maybe you need in a season to lead the line at a club like Chelsea compared to others. I, I suppose I just, just because I, I'm wondering if the concern is actually that that for fans that like this guy doesn't know what he's doing or that this guy is trying something with the longer term contracts with, with, with money going into players he's either heard of or are younger and that will leave the club in, 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 a, in a worse order down the line. That's a tough one. I mean, I think that he... I mean, he's tried to set up a, an infrastructure, right? Like, I think we are used to, maybe as Chelsea supporters, that there was one individual decision maker at the top who empowered two to three people to make decisions. And now we have Todd Bowley, the Dodding Bali, uh, Feliciano. We have multiple members of Clear Lake who are involved. You've got, you know, Win Stanley and Stewart as co-sporting directors for the club now. I mean, previously, like, Michael Manalo is the last one you could point to under Roman Abramovich as, like, a singular point of resource but even then Rina Granovasaya was operating in that role in some capacity kind of as the bridge between the two like Chelsea have not 
had a traditional structure. And I think we're also seeing that maybe some of the learnings in the structure and trying to trust the organization to produce a result maybe hasn't necessarily gotten to the point of like, we have full trust yet that they can execute on negotiating a really good deal, recruiting the right players, being consistent within that recruitment process to a level that they need to be where they're hitting on three out of five, four out of five players that, you know, maybe they're hitting on one out of two right now. And like, Hmm. there is a bit of learning. There is a bit of adaptation. And I mean, I'm not expecting Todd Bully to be involved in everything. I would expect him to hire, like he's a billionaire. Billionaires hire great people to go do stuff for them. Like (laughs) Hmm. that's typically how it works, right? They make a decision, but they go hire people to go execute for them. At least that's like the CEOs of the world do. Yeah. Dan Dormer of the London is blue podcast joining us here on caught offside dan you said something before that ever since you said it it's been rattling around in my head about chelsea you said we're not man city and i would say financially you kind of have been over the not just under bully but even if you look at the last five years of, of net spend chelsea are far and away tops in the premier league now a lot of that is weighted heavily by what bully has done in the last year but they they kind of are man city of late and so with that i kind of want to ask you i think i know the answer to this but the, the bully approval rating so I'm wondering, because he's doing the thing that ultimately fans do want ownership to do. Every fan of every club, no matter the size, they all want their owners to spend and invest in the club. He's doing that. Is there a sect of Chelsea support out there that looks at Bowley and says, okay, well, he's doing what we want. He's spending. Where's the coaching? Is it is this falling on Pochettino or some of the managers of last season? Or is Bowley really the one who's bearing the brunt of all the blame right now? I don't think Pochettino has earned much of the ire from any supporters at the moment. I mean, when you look at the injury list being uh, almost the size of a starting 11 for Chelsea, like that, I don't think he has earned that much ire. There's been questions about like, well, Ben Chilwell playing in a left back, uh, like from a left back to a left wing position. Like there've been the, some head scratchers that people have had to work through or understand in that regard. So I don't think the ire is there. I think there are, like any group of supporters, there are always going to be questions about the owners and what they are or aren't doing to make the team successful. I mean, I think we we only just heard any type of public word from the sporting directors. So uh, Paul and Stanley and Lawrence, Lawrence Stewart in the last like two weeks, like they have been in position either at the start of the year or relatively early in the start of the year. And like the first time that they spoke on the record in any type of capacity through the Chelsea website was within the last two weeks and talking about how they're setting things up for success and what they're doing. And and I think that there is a, a desire to always hear more and understand more and understand the vision and like, what are we actually doing? And I think that is always going to be the thing that I point to is that people will willingly follow you through bad times. If you're willing to say like, here's what we're going to go do. Here's what we're going to go hit and achieve. And I think that has, has been a little missing since the transition that like initially a lot of bold statements, a lot of bold claims talking about how the club was run about how the club was not necessarily commercially or um, financially or footballing wise operated to the maximum level. Uh, It was a Badate Boli said that when he took over the club and I would argue that many people are like, well, we weren't in 12th position when you <laughs> at that point in time, or we weren't uh, in you know the bottom half of the table at that point in time, or we were still in Champions League at that time. So like, I think it is a tough period for people who are accustomed to a relative level of success to go through a transitionary period. I think the 
the question will be answered probably in the next, I don't know, two to three months as Chelsea start to take on tougher opposition, as people come back healthy, like, is any of this starting to come to fruition or are we realizing that the plan might not be as fully baked as we were promised it might be? Um, whenever a team is struggling, there's always one guy who's regularly in the starting 11 that the fans kind of rally behind. And like, he's, he's brilliant. The rest of them are nowhere. Who's that guy for Chelsea right now? I mean, up until yesterday, I, I think the, the last two men of the match that when we ran a poll, it was actually Robert Sanchez. Funny enough, Robert Sanchez was like the guy we were pointing to is like, wow, he saved our bacon in two games where our attackers just couldn't put it together. Um, I think there are a lot of people who are hoping for Mikhailo Mudrik to come good. I think that he's you know getting a lot of positive praise recognition. I think people are super excited still for Nico Jackson. I mean, look at the way that he was uh, applauded off the field against Brighton. He got a lot of recognition for that as well. And I think Cole Palmer looks really, really bright in terms of a uh, performer too, is what Chelsea can kind of lean on. And so I, I do think, it, there's not necessarily like one overwhelming player, but I think there are a couple of people who are ebbing in and out and saying like, look, I'm, I'm here, I'm available. I'm trying to find a way like even Mark Kukurea out of the cold, hadn't played in almost a month against Brighton has that like 50 min, 50th minute to 85th minute where he is an absolute madman on the pitch. Like he was, he was sung off. Like they were chanting him off at the end of the game. Like, incredible like the supporters want to be there the supporters have not lost interest the supporters want to rally around this team i think it's just the ability to consistently fight in the way that they did against brighton in this midweek has not been there in every single match this season now what is what is the other side of the coin like jj's asking who's the player that everybody's behind whenever a team is struggling i mean god knows i saw this at tottenham with eric dyer and davinson sanchez <laughs> sure. the, the fans find a whipping boy they a just sacrificial do. lamb and, and it's usually unfair it's usually yeah. not fair but it's just what happens who's that guy for chelsea so i think ben chilwell has been really prime target because yeah. he's been playing in a left wing position or a left forward position and not necessarily in a left back position and so he's being asked to do something different. I think that is more an indictment or had been more of an indictment of Mikhailo Mudrik than necessarily uh, an indictment of like where Ben Chilwell's at. And I also think people were questioning Levi Colwell as a left back when he was basically playing behind Ben Chilwell instead of in a center back capacity. I think when you look at a couple of the goals that have been let off uh, this season that Chelsea maybe wishes they had back, hadn't conceded, Tiago Silva doesn't look the brightest in those moments. I mean, we, we recognize he's 39 now uh, as someone who's 38. It feels hard to say, like maybe the question about age kind of comes into this, but I mean, it, he was resting midweek. Like that was probably the right thing to give him an opportunity to, to take a match off. I, I think that I don't know if all, if all it's right, but I think there are fair questions about like Levi Cole and Axel Disasi looked really good together against a Premier League team in Brighton this midweek, should you start them again against Fulham on Monday? I would say so. But again, I'm not Pochettino. So we're always looking for to turn corners. Um, was was midweek the turning point? Um, how do you see this trending now going forward? Because you watch them every week. Um, <laughs> and so what's your sense of, of, of what's going to happen next? 
We play foam on Monday and then we have Burnley right after. And then the stretch of games uh, post the international break get really tough. Now, Chelsea don't actually have to like leave London for like until the end of November. So they get to play a pretty nice travel schedule. It's Arsenal, Brentford, Blackburn in the cup. uh, And then it gets a Tottenham at home, uh, Tottenham away. Um, I think that if they are going to turn, this would be the time to turn against Fulham and then Burnley before the international break to set them up for success. After the international break, more people should be back off of injury. Then what shield, Reese James, others being available to Pochettino like that to me, when he's not being forced to put two goalkeepers on the bench uh, for a starting 11 in a premier league match, that would be ideal. Um, and he's not at that point because there's just not a player availability. So if we can make it through, these next two matches get wins versus draws and actually notch up some points before the break, get people who are not healthy yet an opportunity to be healthy. I think Chelsea enter into November feeling really good about where they're at. Dan last one uh, with this start to the season, obviously we're only six games in it's kind of silly to make wide sweeping proclamations over six games. However, it is, it is somewhat of a sample size. So I'll ask you, Whatever your expectations were before the season, seeing what you've seen now through six games, have they changed? Yes. So I think the the most damaging injury to this team of Christopher Nkunku not being available, he watched what he did in preseason. Like he was the connective tissue between midfield to goal with Jackson and was going to probably be a, a very valuable contributor there. Not being back until maybe December at the earliest. Uh, I was thinking, hey, you know, we can get back into a top six spot. I think that is a very hard ask given the quality of opposition this season. Um, I would love to see us in <laughs> a top eight level range um, and maybe advance very far in the cup. But I, I do think, look, 15, almost 16% of the season is already gone. Like, you know, I know it's six games, but like when you think about six games, you think about where these teams are going to end up at the end of the season, whether it's Villa, West Ham, Arsenal, who kind of occupy that five through seven spot right now, it's going to be tight. It's going to be a very tight season. The competition has gotten harder and harder every season, which I guess is good for us as fans of the sport that the sport continues to improve. Uh, It's not maybe good for individual clubs in terms of trying to get their hit their aspirational goals. Certainly clubs in in a moment like this, because you're right, the top of the Premier League is deeper than what we've known it to be maybe in in somewhat recent times. Dan, great stuff. Appreciate you joining us in a moment that is not awesome for Chelsea. Thank you for taking some time to talk about it with us. Yeah, you'll have to invite me back when it's a good period. (laughs) You (laughs) will do, Dan. That's a promise. (laughs) So there you go. Chelsea. Chelsea, yeah? Yeah. Um, Yes, weird. It's just weird talking about it because the backdrop is is just that money that's been spent, and like money doesn't guarantee anything. You you still but, have to, but it a... usually it usually no, does. Like yeah. when you when you look at the the list of clubs who are the highest spending, it usually does align with the table. What's happened? What Chelsea? What's happened with them? I think is the outlier. This insane spending to be this bad. This is yeah, not but, usually what happens. But you did put you pointed it out though a couple of weeks ago. Like usually when that outlay of money goes, it's on bankers. Guaranteed. Yes. You know, they don't have any. They don't have any. You know, it's uh, interesting because like, and we talked about this a little bit with Dan there, but like, you know, 
there there is a world there's there's like an alternate universe where a couple years from now we're kind of looking at chelsea and we're having a laugh about all this like oh remember when we thought they were utterly lost and and i just say that because if if you look at it so they're the fourth youngest on average club in the league and that's with tiago silva dragging the whole average down nine of their 11 starters this past weekend against villa were 25 or younger and yes. that's without Nkunku, who's also 25 who will be absolutely a starter and maybe their best player so like you know cole palmer like we, we went through you know some of those guys who are really young for them and pochettino has a track record of of working i mean when he took over tottenham they were the youngest club in the league so there is like right now in this moment it's a disaster there's no other way to put it. It's a disaster. But there is a world if Chelsea fans and if Bowley can be patient, where two or three years from now you could say it worked. Is that is that possible, or am I grasping at straws? No, you are. But it's it's not just is that possible. It has to work because we're talking about sustainability in football, and no football club really is sustainable without TV money, Champions League access. Um, and what Chelsea are doing is just like. Like Chelsea are the of the big clubs. Chelsea are probably one of the least, probably sustainable on their own. Um, they're not Manchester United in terms of like Man United just pull revenue from from everywhere. They're right. not that. They're not Liverpool in that regard either. Um, they're not Man City backed by endless amounts of oil wealth. They don't like. They don't have those things. They've got a ground that they've a ground that nearly bankrupt them in the eighties with that massive stand that is still there and like a ground that like Abramovich recognized that they probably need to get away from and, and build something bigger. So like they are restricted by those things um, and their general support and their worldwide support and the worldwide revenue. So it has to work. Like it's, it's something that needs like Bowley has to walk away with the club in a, in a, in a, in a better state than he, than he found it, obviously. And I'm not sure that this is the way to go about it. It's going to be interesting. There's no question about that. We'll see which, uh, which direction this all goes. Cause it's, it's unknown at this point. I really, I don't know. Uh, I know you said that before too. They're at this weird place where you don't know which way this is all going to go. I, uh, I don't. Our thanks to Dan again. Uh, if you're a Chelsea supporter, even if you're not, check him out on the uh, the London is Blue podcast. They do a great job uh, talking all things Chelsea. Um, I'll tell you what. Let's go ahead. We'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Caught offside cup to talk about. Napoli insanity to talk about. Still a lot to do here on the podcast. Don't go anywhere. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Oh, back now on Caught Offside, late on a... What day is today? Is it Thursday? Today is Thursday, yeah. This is what happens when you are home from work for an entire week and, you, and you're like Grandpa Joe from Willy Wonka and haven't gotten out of bed in seemingly forever. You, I literally have lost track of space and time. <laughs> Your legs don't work. Yes. I, I have to be propped up on my children. When you go outside, you'll be wearing clothes that are severely outdated. <laughs> a nightcap. Oh. I must always be wearing a, a literal nightcap. Um, where was that? Where were they living? 
What a question, because half the people have British accents, half yeah. have American accents. I don't know what to make of, of that setting. It's a fascinating yeah. place. And when they go up high in the great glass elevator as they're as they're bursting out and you look at the town below, it looks German. <laughs> so you're right. It's some kind of fictional conglomeration of Munich, London and New York. No, not even Munich. I'm talking like Bavarian or something. Isn't is Munich not Bavarian? Oh no, it is. Sorry, no, I mean rural Bavaria, like oh, okay, like a small hamlet town thing. Like Aug- Augsburg, the piece of Augsburg. Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah, fascinating. I wonder if any of the animals have more information on just what exactly that setting is from Willy Wonka. Because you're right, I, I've thought about it, and I before. can't get off this. Like this is this is one of my whenever it's brought up now. Johnny Depp. I've like, never seen that lo- one. Oh, it's awful. Okay. He's, he, Gene Gene Wilder just nails it. He does it in his own way, and he's weird and creepy and incredibly funny. Incredibly funny. He's a genius, that guy. Absolute genius. And Johnny Depp is not any of that. Yeah, I had um, no desire to see that one. I'm good no. with the Gene Wilder one. It holds up. My kids have now seen it. They love it. Yeah. And to them, it's not like some movie from the 70s or whatever, like, it holds up to today. That could have been released today, and I think it would be just as popular. Truly, yeah. Really. Oh, I, I absolutely agree. And it, and it's so friggin' weird. Yeah, yeah. But in an endearing way. Something yeah, about absolutely. Just, endearing weirdness, just um, like us. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'm going to write that down for a possible name of the podcast: endearing weirdness. Nice. Um, JJ, I should mention before we get into the uh, the caught offside cup that's coming up this weekend. Um, for those who were concerned. The Feyenoord Ajax resumption took place yesterday. Uh, oh. Feyenoord added another. They won 4 0 in front of an empty uh, building. So it, the game did continue. Whatever legal action Ajax were considering taking, which I still don't understand exactly, uh, they did not. Um, and that we can all, we can all, I suppose, move past that now. But I just want to yeah. update. Who, who did Ajax have representing them? Lionel Hutz. <laughs> Lionel Hutz, attorney at law. I saw Matlock in a bar last night. The sound was off, but I think I got the gist of it. <laughs> yeah, so that match did achieve completion. Um, let's see. We continue now and uh, want to mention that that we do, in fact, have a caught offside cup this weekend and one that feels like there's quite a bit of buzz around it as Tottenham and Liverpool both kind of, even though it's early, both kind of hitting this moment yeah. for, for each club in, in really great form. Uh, Tottenham coming off a really compelling North London derby in which they came back twice for a draw. Liverpool, who are, um, I would say, they're flying right now. Mm. And uh, um, it, should be, it should be an interesting one. It should be. Liverpool's pr- propensity to start poorly. If that lets Ange in, then Liverpool come roaring back. We could have a ding-dong battle. Um, there's the storyline of, if you're to pick two players that are in the heat of their form right now. And I obviously I haven't checked in on James Madison's status, but it will be fine. Madison. He's, He's fine. fine. It will be Madison versus Sobishlai. Um Sobishlai with a brilliant goal uh in the League Cup against uh against Leicester. Just like beautiful net noise and post sound. Um but I'm not talking about this game that way. I'm not talking about players yet. I'm not talking about uh tactics or whatever. I'm talking about respect. I think this game could be dubbed in in regarding the two managers respectathon 2023. Uh, how so? 
you've got two managers who are, I mean, Ange is reaching nauseating levels of what a guy Ange is. He's amazing, isn't he? Whereas Klopp is also beloved by his own supporters, can do no wrong. And they're both like the kind of epitome. Like you could see, I, I you called it um, smelling their own farts. Yeah. This could be like for other supporters, this like of, 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 you know, rival clubs, other clubs, this could be nauseating because I think there could be a tremendous amount of backslapping between the two managers. Like, yeah, if, this like end, if this ends 2-2, like the scene on the touchline at the end between the two of them is just, it, there's going to be some Klopp-esque fart smelling going on. It's going to be twice that. Okay. Twice that. And it's going to be worse on social media um, between the sets of fans. They're just going to like extol the virtues. Like Ange is beloved already. It's like, unbelievable. I've never seen anything like this. But no, like he, it, it, where it's, it's weird because, where it's happened so quickly. I've never seen it happen so quickly. Uh, but part of that is his strength of character. Um, it's not just results. It's the way he talks about things, the way he calls people mate. He's so bloody personable well it's both things like it's his personality combined with the way that he is also playing like i think that i think that matters so much i was going to say he's a guy's guy it's wrong he's a person's person (laughs) do you know what i mean thank you for clarifying well you got to be careful these days i don't wanna you know he just the way he sat down with gary lineker to explain coming from greece as a boy um with with his father and being in like a almost like a, a a small refugee camp in Australia until they got situated and 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 living an immigrant life and the way he does it the way he's so good like his 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 emotional intelligence a classic way if, if you wanted to warm to someone he goes to Gary Lineker I, I know this is a subject so, some uh, close to your heart mate and then he goes starts talking about um being an immigrant and uh tells the story of his dad and how his dad was like almost a fish out of water. But the one thing he had was this, the Greek collective, the Greek community and their interest in soccer and how he's an AEK Athens fan. And yeah, he's just warm. We, we had the viral clip as well of the, uh, the, the young man, uh, with down syndrome who uh, wanted to ask a question at a, a Spurs fan forum. And the interviewer just didn't see him. And the interview's wrapping up. He goes, oh, well, okay, thank you very much, everyone, for tonight. And he goes, now, hang on a second, mate. We got we got the best question coming right now. And he's just so lovely. He gives the, he gives the kid his opportunity to speak. There's just moments also, after his, moments. His stuff, too, on mental health, I thought, was was so great. Really, really good. And and um, and then he's got this side where he's not afraid, afraid to cut someone down uh, gently, but also quite sternly. You know, he's got he's got presence. Yeah. And and I think there's just going to be two forces coming together in respect to 2023. Um, it could be sickening. Like if you're, God, if you're like a Manchester United supporter where you've got this, I'm sure Ten Hag's a nice guy, but things aren't going well. And he's this automaton kind of almost like Sergeant Major. There's very little warmth to Ten Hag. Yeah. Um, like you can imagine hugging either man. Oh yeah, absolutely. And warm I mean, Klopp embrace. Is of basically, Klopp is renowned for it, and Ange yeah. sort of has a teddy bear sort of appearance to him. Yeah. So whereas yeah. Ten Hag would be almost almost cold and almost like a fish. 
So, oh, so there's I don't know. ask an Ajax fan. I was reading something this week where Ajax, there's a, a sect of Ajax supporters with where they're at in the table right now that are hoping he gets fired by United because they want him back desperately. I'm sure there's who a knows? sect who wish um, Mark Overmars came back and just they, they, everything was alas 2019, but you know, that's not the way it works. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, I, I just feel it could be. It could get a lot now on Sunday. I, I, I'm speaking for supporters. Saturday. I think it's a Saturday kickoff. Excuse me, Saturday. It could get a lot. It could. Like it could. It could be. Yes. Now, my thing with this game is this common theme that has been repeated week after week after week in this league. Um, we where we keep talking about this inevitable pasting that Tottenham are going to take. And and we keep discussing it and waiting for it and waiting for it. And up to this point, it has not occurred. I would say that this is a candidate. This is a candidate for it. A team yep. in Liverpool that are in tremendous form, who have owned this club, who have owned Tottenham and know it. Um, Albeit not so much at White Hart, at White Hart Lane lately. I, I suppose, but I, I do have some statistical figures in front of me, though, which oh, are go ahead. unnerving. Um, but I, I would say that the, you know Tottenham are, are playing well, so maybe there's a little bit of fart smelling going on in their own locker room right now. Um, you know, so we'll see. This is—I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I've just seen Liverpool hand some down on Spurs, and if we're—if we—if we think that it's inevitable, it's on the table. Uh, I would say it's on the table now. I think so, uh, but mitigating again, mitigating mitigating against that is Tottenham will know that Liverpool, for whatever reason, you can get to them. You can get to them early, and if you get to them early, changes the game state. Means Liverpool are going to be on the front foot means there may be gaps in behind for Spurs. Now, the question is whether you believe that that is a Spurs defense that can absorb pressure and play quickly on the counter. I think they can play quickly on the counter. They're absorbing the pressure. I'm not so sure about. Well, we'll see. Defensively, they've been really good. Um, and so, you know, we'll we'll see. The goalkeeper has been excellent. Um, it's going to be interesting. Now, what I wanted to mention, JJ, so this podcast began in 2014, April mm. of 2014. The caught offside cup in that time will be coming up on 10 years this April, next April. Um, so over these last nine and a half years, the caught offside cup has been a pretty important thing on this show. Yeah. We've, we've done rap battles about it. Uh, Afri- who was it? One of our listeners created like ESPN-esque graphics. Matt uh, Sears. Matt Sears. He's an OG. Yeah. I mean, Matt's going to be the first one at both of our funerals. <laughs> might even like, get seriously. a eulogy. Um, I mean, he might. He might be a pallbearer. So, so it's it's been a thing. I want to point out that these two teams, in all competitions since this podcast began, have met a nice even twenty times in all competitions, which includes, of course, a Champions League final. Which to this day, JJ continues to be just the stupidest, most ridiculous thing to have happened in the course of this podcast. The fact that these two met in an effing Champions League final, but of so of the twenty. Between these two, what would what would you say Tottenham have won in that time? Uh, they've won once. One. One. One game. And again, like I said, one of those is a Champions League final, which counts as like a million. So the, the score here is incalculable. Um, well, it is calculable, but... <laughs> But we won't bother. We won't um, bother. And, and this is supposed to be like the greatest era for Spurs in the last 60 years. It doesn't make sense that this has happened. And Liverpool are the only team like this for Tottenham in this era. Even Manchester, ask a Manchester City fan what they think of facing Tottenham 
Tottenham have done really well against City. Yeah. Everyone, for the most part, at least Spurs, have some victories to point to. This is the only one, and it started the day our podcast began. I can't explain it, except that there is some higher being out there that hates me. And as a point of reference, so they've played 20 games since we started. In in the 20 games leading up, before the podcast began, Tottenham won seven, Liverpool won nine, and there were four draws. So pretty even. Then the podcast started. Tottenham never wins again. That's it. Never again. Including an effing Champions League final. I don't get it. It's sickening to me. And some of the nature of these defeats have been yeah. some of the most horrifying losses I've seen going back I to mean, last year. I mean, you've either year. got battered or you've got robbed. Yeah, like last year where Charleston finally scores a goal for Spurs. Oh my God, what a moment. It's 3-3. And then Lucas Mora passes the ball to Diego Jota, who scores. You had the Aldevereld. I don't even, he's Tottenham, maybe Tottenham's best gener, defender of a generation. Remember the the weird him and Lloris incident where he mm. just kind of like hands it to, was it Origi? Uh, it just like yeah. some of the, some of the most difficult to explain losses of the, of my lifetime as a Spurs fan have happened at the hands of your club. Um, so you almost as some sort of exercise in trolling, I think before tonight's pod you you texted me and said hey let's uh let's each pick out our favorite moments from the caught offside cup as if i have any to choose from now i have found one uh but if you would like to go first i'll cede the floor to you uh, lord knows you have far more to choose from uh december 2013 liverpool are about to well they're in the midst of embarking on a an amazing run that will take them almost to a title jesus um but this is at white Hart lane Andre Villas Boas is Spurs manager. Um, and it's a rout, an absolute rout. It's such a rout that John Flanagan, Flanagan even scores. Uh, the fifth goal for Liverpool is scored by Raheem Sterling. And here's Peter Drury on the commentary. And they have shredded Spurs here. Alberto Suarez. Oh, it's lovely. Sterling. thrashed at home by luxuriant Liverpool. That's nice. You feel good about that? That was, oh, oh, did I enjoy that? Oh, really enjoyed that one. That was um, a super one. Mine, JJ, I've referenced this one before. Like I said, there's not a ton to choose from. Um, but this was February 4th, 2018. So Liverpool and Tottenham both kind of really in their moment. Now, Lord knows I don't have a win to pick from. Tottenham's one win in that time was the four the was a four one at Wembley. Uh, yeah. Um the Dan Lovren Derby. When Harry Kane just took him to school. It was really oh. it was unbelievable. Uh but mine is actually from the uh February fourth, two thousand eighteen, a two two. Uh Mo scored in the third minute. Yes. And Tottenham played well. They hung in there, they had a lot of chances, but they couldn't break through. And then Maurizio Pochettino sprung Victor Wanyama off the bench and it couldn't have been more than like a minute or so later. The ball is played in. I think it was Erickson played one in. Allison sends it clear and it goes to Wanyama. And you talked before about the, the sounds of the sport, of the, of the net rigging and all that. Really listen to what Wanyama does to the net here on this absolute blast. Into Wanyama. Erickson. Decisive from Carriers. There's Wanyama. Just blasted it. 
Oh man, what a what a sound, what an absolute rocket, like John Champion says. And it's interesting because um that was in the 80th. Mo Salah then scored an unbelievable goal in the 91st to seemingly give Liverpool the win. Mm. And then uh, Eric Lamella got kicked in the box and Harry Kane, after missing a penalty earlier, then converted. It was his 100th goal for Spurs. And uh, it ended 2-2 after he scored in the 95th. Unbelievable game, but the Wanyama goal in particular, it was one of those where I, I remember watching it and screaming out loud as that happened. Incredible that was goal. A great. That was a great game. Really, really good game. Um, so here we go, buddy. Once more into the breach there, friends. How do you feel? Prediction? Will we do predictions? Uh, wow, we very rarely do. I we think don't, we, we don't like them. Except for on our, our season preview pods, when we pretty mm. much only do them. Um, prediction. I'll, I'll call it, I mean, we call it the caught offside cup. I'll go with the fart smelling derby. I'll say we're looking at a 2-2. 2-2, okay. I, I'm... Ooh. How do I feel? I do I do sense a draw, but I'm going to go against that instinct, instinct and say 3-1 Liverpool. Okay. Look, history is on your side. I think Tottenham will score, though. That's nice. Thank you for that. Uh, Crumbs from the table. God, I want to win. Oh, my God. I, this this would complete the new era feeling. If this is yeah. like another like 3-0 or whatever, like it'll just be like, ah, still this team. Still this team. But like a win here, it would it would be like a real crystallization moment for me. But we'll see. Who knows? Should be fun. Should be fun. We'll recap it, of course, in our pod early next week. Uh, JJ, before we get out, a couple final things here. Uh, we mentioned this at the start of the show. So so Napoli, in in what I thought was like, and now I know they're off to a bit of a rocky start this season in their title defense year, um, but like. This is supposed to be the era of good feelings for this club. They they won the title last year. They retained Osiman and Kavicha, Kavar Skelia. Uh, like this is supposed to be all happy and good vibes. And inexplicably, Osiman misses a penalty in what winds up being a, a really frustrating, disappointing nil-nil draw for Napoli. And then afterwards, some genius in the Napoli social media team on TikTok, posts a video, essentially, I mean, let's call it what it is, mocking their mm. their star player, Victor Osiman, for missing this penalty. And I can't understand it. I've seen some explanations of it that it is like maybe not as bad as people are making it out to be because no. it's some kind of like TikTok theme or something. Yeah. I don't well, I mean, care. There was, two, well, there was two videos. There was the, yeah, the sped up voice video. Yeah, that one. Yeah, and then there was the other one where uh, apparently this is a TikTok thread as well where you say, I'm not a man, I'm not a woman, I'm a coconut. Right. Now, I think uh, in this uh, current climate or in any climate really, you probably shouldn't do the coconut one at all. I don't. I, I, I think that's a bad idea. Just a, just a terrible, terrible idea. Um, and just because it's a trend on TikTok doesn't mean you should follow it. There was a trend on TikTok not so long ago and um, on social media of young Americans dressing up as members of the IRA. Not a, avoid it. Avoid those things. Um, the the pe- the penalty one is this, it's a sped up voice that that is a that is some kind of a viral thing on TikTok as well. 
Why, why would you do it? It only comes across as mocking. I don't understand how this can be allowed to happen. I, I, maybe so, we're over-exaggerating. I don't know. Maybe like, but Victor Osterman didn't seem to think so. His agent threatened legal action against the club. And they've taken, he's taken down every picture of him wearing a Napoli jersey off his, so, his social media. I don't get this. I don't understand how, look, I don't know what the inner workings are at, for professional organizations, for teams of how things get posted on their social media pages. I would think somebody of some standing, I'm not saying like Rudy Garcia, like, I, or, you know, or ownership, like, I'm not saying that no. they have to okay these things, but certainly I would think somebody of some senior level, even if it is like people who always say, Oh, some intern, it's not like social media departments are a really important part of sports teams nowadays. Like it's not some intern posting this stuff. These are well-paid well, I don't know. That's a relative term, but seemingly like paid employees who are posting these things with full departments where someone is in charge. I don't know how this could have gone through whatever number of gates there are. Uh, I don't get it. Maybe there's more to this that the public doesn't know. Uh, but I, I don't I don't know. I don't even want to grasp at straws or guess my my gut instinct and my general reaction when I saw it was this is so dumb that this happened. And look, maybe threatening legal action is a little bit of an overreaction from Victor Osimhen and his team, but I don't blame the guy one bit for being kind of disturbed by it and and annoyed about it. Uh, I don't know if you saw JJ, but after this, uh, prior to Napoli's next game, there was a video that went viral again of him showing up. Uh, I think before their next game, and he kind of he said hi to somebody. I don't know who it was. If it was an assistant but he kind of blew off two of his teammates who tried to say hi to him. Um, but then in the game, when goals were scored, he seemed to celebrate with his teammates. A penalty occurred. He is the designated penalty taker. He handed it off uh, to Zelensky to take. So, and they seemed to celebrate afterwards. And Zelensky was one of the players that he blew off before the game. So I don't know what's going on here. The only thing I know is whoever did this dumb, so dumb. And you created such unnecessary drama in a situation that didn't need it. No, I, I exactly, and I do feel like that there is there are moments you you see it a lot where where the people running social media accounts there they are their common sense is overwhelmed by the need to get clicks and likes and to do something that's trending, and or something that'll get them trending. That how would, does how happen. would they think this the, that this would fit the bill though? Now look, I guess it has. It's gone completely viral, but but for all the wrong reasons, like it's the Napoli account. Their audience are Napoli supporters. Mm-hmm. Like, why would they think that this would be something that their audience would want? I don't. I, I don't know. get it. I don't. I don't get it either. I'm. I'm trying to rationalize here because imagine you, you show up to your boss with this. Uh, hey, boss, how's it going? You going to send that tweet? Yeah. Can I just have a look at it? Okay. So the 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 gist of this is, yeah, you're going to love it. I'm slagging off. I'm 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 doing a laughing a joking thing about our striker that's missed a penalty. Wouldn't do that. Wouldn't do that if I were you. Like, I, you're right. In that- you're, you're so right. That's what, It's so dumb that I feel like there has to be more behind the scenes that we don't understand. Now, is it a play? Is it a play like that? Did they realize this guy is kind of at the end of his tether and wants out and things aren't good behind the scenes and they're trying to force his hand or something? I don't know. It's some kind of Social media, dark arts, don't know. Weird. It's so weird. When I saw it, because they deleted it. Yeah. 
but it was too late already. When I saw it, I was like, what is this utter nonsense? Yeah. yeah. Insane. So weird. So weird. So uh, we'll see how that how that plays out. Uh, finally, a couple things I want to mention. Uh, let's give a nice American welcome to Tyler Adams, who will oh. probably uh, make his Bournemouth Premier League debut. He was subbed on midweek in the Carabao Cup uh, 20 minute cameo. Um, so he's back from injury. And it looks like he's ready to go. 20 million pound signing, I think he was. So seemingly he'll be an important piece of what Bournemouth do. And I'm all for Americans who are playing prominent roles in the Premier League. So I'll be rooting for him. I'm excited to see that against Arsenal. Yeah, fantastic. Um, it's, it's interesting because there were so many clubs that during the whole um, kind of merry-go-round of central midfielders during the summer his name popped up but only tangentially like well if he goes there if someone moves here then he'll go there you know kind of as a as a make weight um and he's actually a really good player so um Bournemouth have done good business there and uh it'd be good to see him back uh not loved at Leeds United not loved is that right Um, no not 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 didn't go over well the the way things oh his exit you mean his exit, yeah. Because I thought while he was there, I thought he was very... Oh, yeah, but um, the stuff that came out kind of... I think the chief executive did an interview um, with the square ball and suggested that not just Adams, but a couple other players forcing their way out. Um, not didn't go over well with Leeds fans and they have long, long memories. Hmm. That's unfortunate. I thought he was, I thought he was a well-liked player there. And I guess maybe he's catching some of the shrapnel from some of the other American failures from, uh, from the last year or so. Of all things that didn't go well. Call like it is. I mean, it didn't, Yeah, some stuff, none of it really went well. So no, it did not. Um, and then finally, JJ, I wanted to mention, because this is a, a sneaky, hugely important match this weekend for Everton. This is one of those, you don't have to outrun the bear, you only have to outrun me, the Drek type matches, as Everton hosts Luton Town. They cannot drop points here. And they're actually in a place where they've built up a little bit of momentum lately. They, they defeated Brentford. Uh, they won during the week in the Carabao Cup. Um, James Garner is starting to play well for them, not to be confused with the uh, legendary actor. Oh, love them in Great Escape. I'm sure he is often, I'm sure 22-year-old James Garner is often confused with that actor. Um, yeah. But he's playing well. And so, you know, you're starting to see, okay, maybe, you know, we, we sort of felt like this was the year for Everton to go down. Uh, I still think, I, I, my predi- I'm not going to move off of my prediction yet, um, but you're starting to see a little bit of momentum building in their direction, and that's a good thing. And uh, Greg Leah of Who Scored, he has an interesting piece up on Everton talking about how maybe they're not quite as bad as what the the point totals will tell you. He said, even after scoring three times on Saturday, the Toffees are still underperforming their expected goals by quite a distance. An XG of 9.3 is the 11th highest in the division, while four, uh, 14.2 shots per game ranks in the top half. Yet Everton have put the ball in the back of the net just five times. 
The same statistics suggest they've been unlucky at the other end, too. Everton defended abysmally in the loss to Aston Villa, but apart from that, they've been res- uh, reasonably solid. An XG against of 8.7 compares uh, favorably to Brighton, Manchester United, and Villa, among others. Meanwhile, Everton have conceded just 11.8 shots per game on average. Only City, Arsenal, and Villa have better records. So, I don't know. Like, some of those things aren't incredible. Like, that XG is 11th best. Okay, that's not, like, that's not amazing, but again... You only have to be better than the awful teams below them. And numbers like that would tell you they are. And at some point, and maybe we're starting to see signs of it, there might be some kind of reversion to the mean here where uh, Everton can just be normal bad instead of relegation bad. Right. And and from normal bad, build a base to kind of work the club out of the mess. Yeah, it's may, in. yeah maybe. Um, so. Interesting, though, uh, Luton Town's Shadozi Ogbene is apparently the second fastest player to play in the Premier League since the 2020-21 season. He's a top speed of 36.93 kilometers an hour. Can I try to guess um, who's faster? Yeah, go ahead. Do you have it there? I have it. Okay. I'm going to I'll, I'll give a few guesses. Okay. Uh, I always know this guy had some good like top speed statistics. Uh Kyle Walker? Kyle Walker is is the fastest. Oh, really? I got it. Yeah. Kyle Walker. Um surprisingly um, let me see who else is on. What about Adama Traore? He would have been possibly on my list. He's in there as well. Um, so let's see. Uh, Brennan Johnson is in there. Hmm. Um, Mikhailo Mudrik, Adama Traore, Traore is in at sixth in the standings. I mean, there's very like it's thirty six point six four. Salah is seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and Anthony Gordon is in there also. Mm-hmm. He's he's 10th. So that's kind of kind of interesting. All right. Um, but yeah, uh, should, Ireland's uh, Shadozi Agbene. And he's not really like, uh, hasn't played a ton of games. And um, I can't believe Sobishlai is in there. Let's see. Here's you're the all, list. You're all witnessing JJ just kind of learning things in real time. Here's the list. He's doing so Kyle very Walker carefully. Wa- I, no, I did. I I saw it a couple of days ago, and uh, I had to search for it there. Kyle Walker one, Jadosi Agbene two, Dominic Sobislai three, Antonio Rudiger four. What long strides? Like a, a <laughs> Brennan Johnson five, Adama Traore six, Mohamed Salah seven, Tarek Lamptey eight. Michaelo Mudrick, nine, and Anthony Gordon, 10. So there you go. All right. Well, that's interesting. You got anything else? No, done. All right. I'm done, done as well. Now. I'm so tired. I'm yeah, so no. zapped Listen, and drained. We now are brothers, brothers in COVID. We've both done podcasts when absolutely wrecked I've, by COVID. I've, I've done, done, a, I've done two COVID time. podcasts. Yeah, I guess I did one. Yeah. Uh, so it's got to get those numbers up. It's not fun. No. No, I'm saying this is my second. We're tied now. I did a COVID podcast before. Did you? Absolutely. Don't remember you looking like this. No, I told you this is worse. I feel much worse this time. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, But we did it. But we did it. And uh, look forward to a really fun weekend. I should say, too, before we get out, um, it would be wrong of me to not congratulate the Houston Dynamo. Uh, They defeated Inter-Miami to win the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, I believe they're second in the last five seasons. Uh, obviously no Messi, no Jordi Alba, um, but it was a 
fairly convincing 2-1. I know Joseph Martinez got one late uh, to make it look a little bit interesting, but props to the Dynamo as uh, as they hoist the U.S. Open Cup. So good for them. Did I, I wanted to make sure I got that in there. I'm sure if it had been yeah. the other way around, if Messi had played and they had won, we probably <laughs> might have had an emergency pod. Yeah. Um, MLSsoccer.com might have exploded. Um, so wanted to at least throw the, the Dynamo a bone here. I think I have to I have to feel that the dy- the Dynamo it's just been a club floundering. You know, the Tab Ramos era was gonna be this amazing thing. Well, I don't know if anyone thought it was gonna be amazing, but the ship was supposed to be righted and it hasn't been. So this is this is a this is significant. This sure. is a good story. Sure. Um so there you go. Hey, this was a good story as well. I enjoyed this podcast thoroughly. Uh any of the animals out there who want to educate us on just where exactly it is that Charlie and the Chocolate Factory takes place, please do so on uh our X page at CO Soccer Pod or uh be one of the animals on the Reddit page. Uh Instagram JJ is caught offside pod, I believe. Um Yes. So uh, any 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 one of these various social media outlets, feel free to get us on there to talk about that or anything. I want I want to shout at the top of my voice. Wrong, sir. Wrong. <laughs> Good day, sir. <laughs> well, I enjoyed this thoroughly, JJ. Hey, to you I say Check you later, fun boy. I'll see you. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. 